Inside the carriage house, the air was damp and still, thick with the smell of leather and horses. She shook the rain from her hair and eased the door closed. In the dim light coming through the high windows, she could discern the shapes of two carriages, one an open surrey with three rows of seats, the other closed and more commodious and beaded with rain. Beneath the window, two metal buckets, a buggy whip, a squat wooden table with peeling paint and coated with dust. She had not seen him since the accident, but she had waited for him in the garden behind the house, just as he'd asked, until the storm broke. Maybe he loved her as he claimed, but in his world, love was easily won and just as easily tossed aside. For months she had known this day was coming, and she'd waited for her heart to be free. But longing was a sickness that wouldn't leave her. She couldn't explain even to herself why such feelings bound her to him, despite the torment of parting, the fear of discovery, and the price they would now have to pay. She sank to the floor, the brick pavers rough against her bare feet, and her foot hit a coil of rope lying in the corner. She looked up to the cobwebbed rafters, and something broke inside her. Who would miss her if she were gone? Certainly not the child, too young to know its mother. Maybe Phoebe from the kitchen would shed a tear. Maybe Primus and Fanny, who had covered for her when he sent word and she slipped away. Otherwise, she would be forgotten, erased, a stone beneath rushing water. She uncoiled the rope, and the weight of it gave her courage. It would be easy enough to form a knot, climb onto the table, toss the rope over the rafters, slip the noose over her head, and kick the table away. A simple end to a complicated life. She dragged the table to the center of the room and, with trembling fingers, fashioned the noose. She swung it over the rafters. On the third try, it caught. She slipped the noose over her head the scratchy rope pressing heavily against her throat. She closed her eyes, the sound of her pulse rushing in her ears, tears scalding her cheeks. Phoebe said it was a sin to die by one's own hand, and such an end would lock the gates of heaven against the sinner. But maybe she deserved whatever fate waited for her on the other side. She could see no other way for this story to end. Desperation had overtaken her and now exerted its own logic. The storm intensified, jagged lightning cracking open the sky, a roll of thunder swallowing the sound of her sobs. She longed for a swift end to her suffering, but still she hesitated. What of the child? Who would care for her little one with the same affection its own mother would? A mental image of the helpless babe sent another wave of guilt washing over her, weakening her resolve. If she stayed in this world, a life of longing and regret would be her penance. But if she died here, and in this way, the child would have an even heavier cross to bear, grief upon grief. The table beneath her feet cracked and abruptly tilted, one leg splaying out at a precarious angle. The rope tightened, and black spots danced before her eyes. She teetered, both arms outstretched, and regained her balance, then stood motionless, afraid to move afraid not to move, every muscle aching with the strain. The carriage house door slid open. A flash of lightning briefly illuminated a dark figure silhouetted against the rain-swollen sky. In the garden beyond, the gazebo stood out in sharp relief, 
the roses and jessamine bent and sodden. Please? Her throat felt raw, her tongue stuck to the roof of her mouth. Please, help me. Chapter 1. Savannah, Georgia, September 15, 1858. At the sound of male voices in the entry hall below, Celia Browning left her window overlooking the garden and the red-brick carriage house. She set aside her book and opened her bedroom door just wide enough to afford a view of the door to her father's study down below. The house was quiet, the entry hall now empty. Dust motes swirled like snowflakes in the late afternoon sunshine, pouring through the fanlight above the front door and reflecting in the ornate gilt mirror on the wall. She cocked an ear to listen, but the conversation taking place behind the massive mahogany doors was lost in the vast space.